Hello, and welcome to another episode of Old vs. Gold, the podcast that takes your fond childhood memories of television and movies and holds them up to the harsh light of today. This week's episode, Excalibur. Okay, so we'll just start off with a little um, <coughs> coughing. Okay. There we go. And, yeah, always uh, the best way to start. I mean, yes. let me hark up something. <coughs> That's just podcast good luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood. Oh, wait, no. Oh, there's no. wood under here or there's wood somewhere. board or something. Something pressed. Uh, something that was it? at one time distantly related to a tree. Uh. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm ready. I don't know. Uh, this is going to be interesting. It's a little different. It's the first time ever in the podcast that it's a film that i have not seen yet whoa hmm. yes so um i guess first introductions who's okay. here it's uh oh, yeah, robert. Let's do that. i'm robert the independent filmmaker gamer and slow churned for smoother flavor mm. <laughs> <laughs> with me is tim hi i'm tim i'm enjoying an agua fresca Ooh la la. Which in no way fits the theme of today's movie, but does fit the theme of today's lunch we'll be eating during the movie. Excellent. And from the East Coast, via the interwebs, is Jack. Hi, I'm Jack, uh, actor, director, editor, and today I'm enjoying a fine orange G2. <laughs> Explain. I well, know it's not just a G2. It's it, oh, it's Gatorade, okay. but it's much uh, much lighter. It's I only see. this whole thing, 45 calories, I'm telling you. Okay, see, I, I haven't upgraded my Gatorade yet, so I forgot there was a new version out. Okay. You've got I'm to really slow on the patches on, game, my friend. I'm really slow on the patches on my sugary <laughs> beverages. This is probably like an Agua Fresca, like, 0. 0.5 I'm drinking. I think it's a beta. I'm not sure. Ah, well, very good. Okay. It, it always come, it, the patch always comes up when you want to sip it. And I know. so it's like, no, you, hit, you keep hitting no. Exactly. It's yeah. so annoying. Anyway. Yeah. Who's got time for that? Exactly. <laughs> so I, since I have not seen this film, I shall hand it off to Tim. Take it away. All righty. So the film we are watching today is Excalibur from 1981, directed, produced, and co-written by John Borman, who has kind of a checkered history of, of film works. On the one hand, he... Uh, directed Deliverance on mm. a possibly middle hand he directed Point Blank but then mm -hmm. he also directed Zardoz <laughs> and Exorcist 2 The Heretic wow. both of which I've seen both of which are truly terrible movies all that and then he was in Doctor Who and Torchwood wow I hey? think it's a different <laughs> guy because it sounds like John Barrowman oh <laughs> sorry yes. I see. Wow, someone out there laughed at that. But you know, I, bet, I did, I did. Yay. But although I bet John Barrowman would enjoy some Zardoz cosplay. Um, <laughs> anyway, if you if you don't know of Zardoz and you think you might be a fan of Sean Connery running around in a giant red diaper, you may be unpleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, so also, uh, back to Excalibur. So Excalibur has a cast full of acclaimed British actors with Shakespearean cred and such, uh, including including some that were already well-known and established, and some we know of much better since. The movie includes Helen Mirren. Of course. Gabriel Byrne. Uh -huh. And Liam Neeson. Yes. And in a, in a lesser role, but still still nice, Patrick Stewart. 
Yay! He's not a, big, not a big role in the film, but he does have lines. Yay. And he's, of course, very Patrick Stewart-y. Um, <laughs> the main uh, players... Um, so Excalibur is a tale of the Arthurian legend, Arthur and Merlin. Um, Nigel Terry plays King Arthur. He had lots of stage credits going into Excalibur, and he's done a lot of TV guest work since then, including a season four episode of Doctor Who. Oh, oh really? Four, new season four, yes. Yes, he was in The Doctor's Daughter. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember which he was like the colonel or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. I vaguely remember the episode. But um, And then uh, Nicole Williamson plays Merlin. Uh, Nicole Williamson died in 2011. Uh, he was a noted stage actor in the 60s, 70s, before Excalibur and continued after. He has kind of a, he's a really good actor, but he has kind of a notorious reputa- reputation in the theater. He's gotten into scuffles on stage and off. Oh, he's notorious wow. or he smacked a couple of actors. He <laughs> slapped a producer. He uh, berated an audience member in during a North American tour of Hamlet. Wow. So he uh, <laughs> he's a legend of another kind, but. Um, <laughs> quite good in this as i recall he did a little bit of tv post tv work after excalibur but most of his glory was before that um so excalibur came out in 1981 it will cost about 11 million dollars to make and it eventually grossed 34 million so a decent return uh kind of met a mixed critical reaction which maybe we'll have today i don't know um and so Berman had wanted to adopt the Merlin legend as far back as 1969, but um, he couldn't find a studio buyer. At one time, United Artists rejected his idea and wanted him to do Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. Um, that never apparently took off, but there was enough work done on, done on it that kind of some things, ideas, design ideas developed for that worked their way into Excalibur. Hmm. Um, yeah, he filmed it in Ireland, uh, an entirely Irish crew, which was a big deal for the Irish film industry at the time. And because he was trying to do this, a timeless setting for this, not really fix it to any particular medieval period because it's about mythological King Arthur as opposed Mm. to any historical notions. So he didn't use any, even though there are lots of castle settings in the movie, he didn't use any actual Irish castles. And that's partly, partly he said in an interview because he wanted going for that timeless quality. So he wanted control of it. So they built their own interiors and exteriors. So they got the look they wanted. And also he said Irish castles aren't, that glorious to use in the first place that they're either all ruins or they've been <laughs> renovated. So, um, so yeah, that's, so that's some info about that. Um, this has, this uh, movie has uh, many occurrences of the charm of making, which is something that's stuck in my head geekily, which you'll hear the charm okay. of making the charm of making. It's very important in this movie. Oh, okay. Let's watch for that then. Watch for that. Um, yeah, Cool. So I'm looking forward to the um, w- with Patrick Stewart being in this. I'm looking forward to the X Men spinoff Excalibur, <laughs> oh. which was a hell of a good series, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a few movies that are of Excalibur. Oh, thank you, thank you, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> well, uh, this for me uh, is another one of those uh, HBO. Uh, special kind of things but it's also one of those uh, glorious films that I've never seen all the way through beginning to end but I've seen the whole movie Interesting. Um, yes. (laughs) Yes. the the other movie for me like that is Shawshank Redemption I've never seen it beginning to end that's kind of one of these days I think that's The Wizard of Oz is like that for me Hmm. oh really yes (laughs) I've never sat down and actually just watched it but I'm sure I've seen it all 
it was really maybe only five years ago, six for me on mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. So yeah. I'm right there in that boat. But yeah, so I'm, I'm I'll be interested to see how it holds together. Mm-hmm. What I remember, you know, this came out in 81. Um, yeah. So I was I was 11. I don't think I saw it till I was 13 or 14. And, you know, I was <clears throat> into D&D at that point. And I, I guess I'd seen a couple of the films that tried to capitalize on that. And mm-hmm. they were all just so middling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think this one, what I remember was just being confused. Oh. It was... It was not in a storytelling style that I had encountered before. Huh. Interesting. So I, I just didn't feel like I interfaced with it in any okay. meaningful way. So I'm hoping today with a, a couple of decades uh, under my belt, <laughs> I'll be able to uh, <laughs> um, uh, follow along a little bit better. Now, so HBO may have distorted this memory for me, but wasn't this, didn't this come out at a time that a whole bunch of other like sword and sorcery movies came out or they followed I think it? You're or, right. Most of which, as you mentioned, were not good. Yeah, there was, um, I think, Dragon Slayer with um, Peter McNichol, oh, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, yeah, he's that's the sort hero of in that one. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I have seen and, a bit of that. Yes, that's very yes. odd to see him in that. <laughs> I, I This is probably around the time of Crawl. Yes, this is very much in the, the, the Crawl, crawl time. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the Crawl time. It was a tale of the Crawl time. Uh, Robert, what do you know of this movie? Nothing. I know nothing of this movie. Jon Snow. Um, <laughs> it's oblig- obligatory. We have to say that now. Um, I guess I just uh, never enjoyed the medieval storyline stuff. So really? I, I never thought about watching it. So. Hmm. Yeah, yes. that's the other thing Completely. that's that's odd for me is that I was very much into the King Arthur uh, legend and and loved reading various uh, iterations of it. And as a musical theater guy, it was Camelot that really got me oh. into both both musical theater and the the King Arthur legend. Hmm. So hmm. I, I think. I think that might have been part of my problem. I was, you know, waiting for <laughs> Vanessa Redgrave and uh, <laughs> and Robert Ke- uh, Robert Goulet, and they Wait, aren't in this. <laughs> waiting for Helen Mirren to break into song. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, for me, I saw. I loved this when it came out. Uh, I saw it three times in the theater in the space of two weeks because you know there were only wow. five theater- theaters in town, so nothing <laughs> ran more than two weeks. Um, <laughs> But it's been several years since I've seen it, probably at least 10, because if, oh. if, Robert, if you haven't seen it, we've never watched it together, so yeah. that kind of helps state that. So it has been a long while. I haven't seen it. Um, I suspect it will hold up, but we'll see. Maybe, um, you know, elements I'm concerned about is the score, Uh-oh. which is, no, the reason is <laughs> um, there is a score, but it also uses a lot of Wagner. Okay, so uh, not Ladyhawk style. No, 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 not that. It's just, <laughs> okay. and when I originally saw it, not really knowing of Wagner or his works, I really, really liked it. But since, of course, later I found out about all the anti-Semitism and all that, so that oh. kind of discolors. But, you know, but I still like Wagner works, but I kind of question why we use those in this story, because, you know, Ride of the Valkyries doesn't really pertain to King Arthur. So I'm curious how that right. will influence me. And just, you know, yeah, as, as Jack pointed out, it you know, it, it tells the tale its own way. So oh, okay. we'll see. How that goes years and years later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I'm, I'm a little worried just because of how cheap looking the DVD cover is. Well, it's quite, we have quite it, an old DVD. I yeah, this it a is long an old DVD, I hope it works. We have just it. With the word Excalibur kind of in shadow yeah, above and below well, it. And 
the well, badly cut you sh- out you guy not, over the thing. And the- you know better than to make any connection between yeah, the quality of a movie and the quality of the studio produced box art. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> we know Ooh, it has we, special features. Though. We have friends who have stories about that. So <gasps> production notes, <gasps> interactive menus. Oh boy, yes. this is one of those rare DVDs that has an interactive menu. Usually, wow. you just have to sit out the menu and hope that the thing you want comes up. Scene <laughs> access. <laughs> Scene access, yes. <laughs> what were we watching the other day that wouldn't let us fast forward the trailers? Oh my god. It was something it was a Netflix who's, disc. More important, who's receive. the terrible studio I think it was Fox. It was Fox, yes. Oh really? Damn oh, I was gonna Fox guess this for that that Blu-ray. And that then also really the, pissed me off. There was like five trailers and not one of them could we fast forward through. <laughs> oh, and then also oh, the movie through. was terrible, but Yeah, and then, then the <laughs> so, movie was bad, yeah. So that's the anyway. story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> another day when we're ragging on indie quote sci-fi unquote movies yes but okay meanwhile back in the <laughs> vaguely mythical middle ages yeah let's uh let's headed. pause the podcast here and watch uh excalibur i believe it's uh, so jack you have it on itunes so it is oh, on I itunes do. uh we have the dvd i didn't do any research to see if it's on blu-ray or if it's on netflix uh, it um, was available on Blu-ray. I almost oh. pulled the trigger on it, but then I oh. saw I could do it through iTunes and okay. simply rent it. And so okay. this is hmm. the first attempt on that. Should be should be lovely. Awesome. Excellent. Okay, let's pause it here. We'll be right back with Excalibur. think the moment you know that you're a big-time, serious film director is when you cast your daughter in a sex scene. <laughs> oh, see, I was confused. I didn't know if that was his daughter or his wife. I, I did. I was. I, I didn't know about that. I saw it come up at the credits. I go, oh, and I looked it up. Nope, daughter. Wow. <laughs> Igraine, okay. Igraine was John Borman's daughter. Well, right. um, you just lie there. The nice man's going to... <laughs> fake sex you up (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i thought that that scene it really took the whole clothed man naked woman uh uh, thing to a whole new level (laughs) so so i didn't mention i didn't talk before we watched the movie much of detail about why i remember remember it so fondly what i loved about it at the time and i'll get into that some but what that brings up is (laughs) that scene um so i was a young man Still a long way from figuring out things about myself. Okay. As far as I knew, I was like asexual at the time, you know. But okay. that scene was hot to me. <laughs> I love that scene. Now that I know that I'm a gay man with inclinations toward gear fetishes, it makes sense that that scene was hot. Because <laughs> it wasn't her that was doing it. It was the sex in full armor. Which wow. can't really work. No, no, the logistics yeah. are just a nightmare. Unless <laughs> <laughs> it was specially designed. I don't know. But no, um, it could be. be. So that's definitely one distinct thing I remember uh-huh. from my love for. And, and and that stands out so much that I've forgotten that there were gorgeous naked buttockses also in the yes, buttocks also in yes. the movie. So, yes. so there you go. Absolutely. With, with a hint of scrotum. Oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> just, just a hint. Just a hint of scriptum. <laughs> well, they're European, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there was a lot of jiggling and fumbling about in that 
scene with his buttocks showing, and every now and then there was some. Oh, okay. Just a little bit of aft sack. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the more reason to pick up the Blu-ray if if you're in club. Oh, yes. oh, there you go. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> aft sack is the gay male version of side boob. I guess. I yes. don't know. Hey, yeah, you're right. It is. <laughs> Trademark that. Trademark aft sack. That's hard to say. Though. You, you've heard it here first. <laughs> Half sack. Half sack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> my porn name now is going to be Ben Aft Sack. <laughs> oh. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> anyway, um, anyway, Robert, let's hear some things from you who so have not seen it before. Do so you really want to hear what I have to oh, say? Uh-oh. Oh, oh yeah, dear. Let's hear this. Oh dear. Um I feel like I was watching something that I was supposed to read up on before watching. Okay. There was a lot of, this is happening, and now that's happening. (laughs) And jumps in time that didn't, weren't apparently jumps in time for a few, uh, until uh, like a few seconds or minutes later. And I don't know, maybe I just, (laughs) I don't know. Um there was lots of yelling! Yes. So, so, yes. Everyone had to yell! So, yes, British theatrical acting means inappropriate yes. yelling, even though yes. you're in a film. Don't you think Patrick Stewart can hear us from here? I don't know. I'm still six inches away! Um, yes, I, I did have a note about that. The uh, very theatrical bent of yes. the acting. Maybe, maybe someone should have told them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There is a difference. You're not on stage. The camera and the mics are right there. But they need. I guess Borman wanted it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just, I didn't feel like there were characters. There was just motivation and reason. Mm. Right. Okay. It's like, uh, who is this guy? You know, what's he? What's he like? You know, what? You know, is he a friendly guy? Is he... What's his deal? No, he's just... Well, he's to be the king, and he pulled the sword out. Um, And they like the girl because they saw her. And Sure. (laughs) (laughs) There's all this stuff that just kind of feels like, well, there's obviously some more to it, but I'm not getting that. (laughs) Hmm. I wonder if that's maybe because... And this was, you know, made in... Great Britain, and it, it's much more an Ur story. No, 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 no. Ireland. No, oh, they that, shot in oh, Ireland. Right. You're right. Oh, I'm going to get letters now. <laughs> so the sort of general region, they certainly grew up with the story, yes, and it's yes. something that would be so imprinted that yeah, yeah, maybe either they thought, well, we don't need to go through this, mm-hmm. or it never occurred to them. They're like, oh yeah, we should probably explain who Gwen is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but well, I don't completely agree with that because I think well, not for everyone, but I think Arthur had character. I mean, mm. yes, he was appointed to be the king, which is a legend thing, and it's kind of unfortunate. And you know, but I still think he was smart. You know, he learned. You know, I thought he showed an individual character. I mean, he was appointed to be the king, but then he filled it out in his own way. You know, mm. uh, yeah, maybe other other lesser th- people. You know. Um, but you know it is a legend, so people have all all they all have archetypal roles. Yeah, and there's t- I could see some Lord of the Rings in this. Oh yeah, and I'm guessing this story came first. So 
Well, by <laughs> by many centuries, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, I know uh, what got what from where. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, um, what else? See, I actually liked that. I liked that the movie trusted us enough to make those time jumps without titles. Oh no, I, I don't have that much trouble with the time. I got used to it after a while. Yeah. Once once it started happening, I started realizing. Oh, okay, yeah. It's yeah. Nine months later, you know. Yeah. They're having the baby now. He's there. He's there because he's been there for a while. Yeah. You know, um, what else? I, I don't know. I kind of like the way it was shot. It seems like, it was um, a, to me, it's, I don't know exactly why. It represents a kind of old style movie making that I don't know what it is. I think if it were made now, there would be more crutches and clues about when the action is important. Okay. And sometimes, like, action, there was fighting, just fighting, 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 without, like, yeah. particularly cued soundtrack, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I couldn't my, put my finger on it. There was a lot of fighting that just seemed to... I mean, admittedly, I've grown up in in a more choreographed uh, fighting uh, <laughs> time, but it, it just seemed very random. And you can... You can say that maybe they're trying to talk about the the, uh, the, the fog of war, if you will, and yeah. we will get to the fog. Um, <laughs> but you, you can say that. And I actually saw um, a sort of uh, uh, a, not echoes, but uh, uh, eight years later, uh, Kenneth Branagh uh, in his battle scenes in Henry V. Mm-hmm. They looked a lot like that. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, a, a lot, a lot of mud, a lot of dying, a lot of <laughs> grunting and sweat and blood. Not as much blood, but yeah, it 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 it, it reminded me of that. And this, you know, predates it by almost a decade. Yeah, there were some fight scenes where like we were really close up, which made it hard to know what was going on. Hmm. And right. I'm wondering if the goal of that was he was trying to show face lock in on faces. But because of the movement, you still couldn't really see the faces. Hmm. Sure. But maybe he didn't do other other coverage. So I don't know. It was like, okay, I think maybe I see what he's going for, but it's not quite working. It's just kind of like a fight pile. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Um, there were certain aspects of it that reminded me of... Uh, what we recently rewatched because it came out on DVD, the Mystery Science Theater. Uh, I forget the name of the film, but it had Sampo in it. Oh, yes. What was oh, it? Day the Earth Froze. The, yes, the, I, yes, I, I was thinking the that the, the Russo-Finnish trilogy of MSD3K, <laughs> there was a lot of that feel in this as well. I, I, yeah. I have a note on that as well. Yes, <laughs> okay. yes. I agree. So it wasn't just me, yeah. Uh, like, oh, no. Things are happening all of a sudden, and there's magic or something, and, uh, well, Sampo and so forth. <laughs> that was the feel I got. Huh, interesting. <laughs> and uh, it must be magic in this one because there's a green glow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Green omnipresent glow. Mm-hmm. It, it, <laughs> it was just... There were, it was indiscriminate. It seemed to be there when there was magic happening, when there wasn't magic happening. Hmm. It, it, there were times when it retreated, and those were, you know, the really dismal all-is-lost scenes. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I thought it belonged to the sword, the green glow. Okay. Well, it did, and I think it's also over everything except in the dismal times because it's green equals the land, and the king and the land are one, and all is lush and prospery. Plus yeah, I considered that. 
So it's all okay. a dragon. Or the force, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Oop, no, sorry. That's, that's another movie. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my wife, uh, Doc, uh, watched this with me today. Uh-huh. And uh, at one point she said, I think I know where George Lucas got everything. And I was like, well, this came out four years after Star Wars. So no, not this time. But there's definitely some borrowing in one direction here. Well, hmm. does she mean vis- visual or story. You know, I wasn't clear. I think it might have been in some of the, like we've been talking about the storytelling not being necessarily as clear as it could have otherwise been. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's interesting when I was reading up on this doing research, reading this interview with Borman about it, he, um, you know, he drew, you know, there are many versions of the story. He drew from the best thing we have closest to a source, which is uh, Mallory's the Mark right. Arthur, and he said that actually Mallory was like the first hack because he oh. worked for a guy who had a printing press, uh, some printing operation or something. Was that? That seems weird. That sounds right. They have, sounds okay. Right. And so the guy needed stories to print. So, uh. so Mallory whipped something together. Well, okay. I, I know a lot of Arthur legends. I'll just start writing them out. <laughs> and so now it's okay. the source. You know, so, uh. so that being the case, that kind of might be a you know why this particular set of legends is kind of like that is kind of like a little disjointed and you know borman did more things where he merged some things from the story and like i think there are different i don't know there was things that in the mallory stories are separate that he merged into one i can't remember what exactly but you know he did some combining and reconfiguring for his own cinematic purposes but. Sure. Well, I did like the the fidelity to the baseline legend as we know it. Yeah. Uh, it was it was there and it was solid and I, I really enjoyed that that was kept uh, that there wasn't a, a lot of flying off into our own uh, or Borman's own ideas about what could have been. You know, we don't have yeah. uh, you know, song and dance numbers. Mm-hmm. Or or anything like that. <laughs> you still miss those, don't you? you, you I still... do. Desperately, <laughs> desperately miss them. There's just yeah. yeah. How to handle a woman would have gone a long way in this film. <laughs> a thing I think is really daring about this film is trying to do a straight up Arthurian story post Monty Python. Oh. Yes, because it's really hard to get to the first Lancelot scene on the bridge without thinking. Tis but a scratch. Yep. You know, it's just it was just also taken apart so beautifully in the Holy Grail that here it is being taken seriously again. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then that shot right after right after uh, 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 everything falls apart and and Lance runs off and and Guinevere right. goes to the nunnery and I forget which night it was but he's riding through and you mm. see yes. the peasants yes. down there in the mud. Yes. Like, no, I'm only thirty seven. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one thing I really liked about the yeah so I was trying to think about what did I like about this originally and I mentioned the the hidden sexual sexual appeal but also you know this is an idealistic story because it's a legend so and I saw it at a young idealistic age so I think that may have been a lot of it I really appreciated the symbolism I went with it um I think that's part of it. And something I really like then, I still really like about it, is I like its handling of the changing, you know, when Merlin says, the one God comes to drive out the many gods. I like this yes. notion that 
all gods anyone believed in at their given historical time were in force until they lost their power because they stopped being believed in, you know, which is then Neil Gaiman would run with years later with American gods. But, you know, right. um, Right. It's a really cool idea that no, nothing, nothing was wrong. You know, no one's beliefs were lies. They just Mm -hmm. changed because the people changed what they believe. I I really like that notion. And I like that Merlin's aware of it. Did you at least like Merlin? Robert, <laughs> Merlin was all right. I really, yeah. really enjoyed Merlin. Merlin was was good. I, yeah. I liked Merlin. I, I liked uh, Arthur a lot, and I felt like he definitely portrayed his arc fairly well. Mm-hmm. From from just wide eyed kid to uh, uh, battle worn king at the end, it, you saw the stages, and I, I liked what he did with that. Um, uh, I'm a sucker for Lance and Gwen, and so I liked their longing looks at each other. Uh, um, so <laughs> I liked when we were watching it, and we got to that, and Lancelot arrives to take Gwen to the castle for her wedding, and they look at each other, and Robert goes, uh-oh. <laughs> so that but then again, that's one of the things where I'm saying, like, there's no character. It's like, they just look at each other, and boom, they're... They're in love. There's no. Well, they are both talking. very pretty. Exactly. They are both very pretty, <laughs> and that's all it takes. And that's the reason. This time. Yes, exactly. Not, not a character. Not yes. a trait. Not a. The, yeah. Anyway. I mean, how could she know about his gambling habit? You know, they just. <laughs> <laughs> and his love for running around the forest and. Yes, I'm gonna. <laughs> to recharge or ne- whatever. Next time I'm sick, the email I send to work is going to say I have to go heal in the forest. Yes. <laughs> so really? Heal. I don't think that's the. I, I, uh, okay. Okay. It's not not prescribed. Oh, fine. <laughs> not really bed rest. It's. <laughs> Um, uh, another thing about Merlin is just like you know how obviously Gandalf is patterned after that oh, yeah. in, in a lot right. of ways, and I can think of other things like Babylon Five has characters that are much like Merlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, although I can't remember their names at the moment. <laughs> um, um, Merlin has a little Gollum moment in this movie. Does he? Doesn't he when he's trying to catch the fish? Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, oh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the woman who wants all the power, and she's like, "I have passed the test." And then, oh wait, no, no. wait. <laughs> but but she didn't. She didn't pass the test. No, that's what happens to you. There was actually more Patrick Stewart in this than I thought there was. No. Yeah, he's yeah, like pretty enough. heavy at the beginning. Yeah, I would like to have seen more. There. But he was doing the same thing everyone else was with the yelling and. Oh yes, he was. <laughs> But but he sounds good when he yells. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> he and, knows how to modulate it. And, and Liam Neeson was actually kind of Liam Neeson-y. You know, I totally forgot yes, he, was. he was in it, and I yeah. didn't recognize him. Oh, I you didn't? I don't know who he was. Um, he wow. was uh, Gawain. Gawain. Who was and the guy who made all the trouble about... All the characters mixed together, so I don't know. He was the guy who... who <laughs> he was the guy uh, who, who accused the oh, queen. Oh, yes. okay. All right. I must say that uh, there was the scene early on where uh, everyone's dancing and there was something uh, something made my heart leap with joy when I saw Liam Neeson and Patrick Stewart on the dance floor together. You know, and they're little babies. At this, it's baby Liam Neeson. How, how old could he have been in this? <laughs> I th- I'm also wondering, besides, okay, besides letting his daughter have a sex scene, I wonder if Borman, right. Borman's instructions to his daughter Izzy Grain were, uh, I don't know, do something Stevie Nixie. 
Just twirl, twirl, twirl. Yeah. That'll work. That's all they could do. Well, when you've got that macrame shawl that she had with <laughs> the lead weights in the bottom, you gotta, you gotta you, show that thing you off. You have no other choice. It's just done. Um, uh, the charm of making. Uh, I yes. didn't realize it was in Dothraki. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's interesting. Exactly. Uh, although it wasn't quite as prevalent as as uh, you led me to believe. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, they did like five times. I thought that was pretty uh-huh. prevalent. Prevalent, but oh well. Um, well, I guess it's it, kind of key. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely key. Just you know, yes. we go 75 minutes before we hear the thing. Oh, so. that's true. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't think it was that long, but yeah. Um, and it, and it usually is about weaving mists. <laughs> yes, not exclusively, <laughs> but that seems to be its best usage is mist. Which also means the AD just uh, just off camera saying, "Cue the forty thousand smoke machines." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Stick a pipe next to her mouth and make it look oh. like it's coming out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah, that one was a little sloppy. Um, I like, you know, even as at the same time I'm being subconsciously turned on by armor fucking. Sure. I like that lust is a villain. In this movie. Yeah. In that Merlin, you know, your lust will hold you up. And, yes. Mm, yeah. I bet it will. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Merlin's sexlessness, I think, is really cool. The way that that's pronounced. And, you know, his, you know, he's the, he's, you know, the Garp's mom of this movie. You know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Okay. I can go with that. <laughs> um, what else? There's that strange um, creepy Jesus during the wedding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the, creepy. The, uh, what was up yeah, with the, that? The little hanging tapestry the, yeah. thingy. Yeah. yeah it's it like, was... well, we don't really have churches yet, so here's... Well, they hadn't <laughs> here, built the here's castle Here's a Godspell. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of creepy... That's, yeah, that's totally it. It's, it's like six, yeah, it's 60s Jesus, yeah. which goes with the strange 60s font for the title. Oh, oh it's like, that what? font. Why? Yes, Why? yes. Doc's first words were groovy font, man. Yeah. And the funny thing is, after this, while we're uh, waiting for you to call Jack, I, I remembered I, I looked on my bookshelf to find The Once and Future King by T.H. Okay. White, which is yet another version of the story. And the cover I have, it's a super groovy font, too. <laughs> it's like, wow. what the? What was it with Arthur and Peace and Love and Fat Bases of Letters? Uh, no, it's, it's the, the book one is more groovy cursive love american style kind of fun, oh, actually not okay. the big not the bell-bottom letters that we have in this movie so <laughs> but still but speaking of creepy um what's with the lotioning down of golden boy by mom <sighs> every night from age five to 20 yeah <laughs> i think it's funny that you think that's creepy but because the fact that this is her son with her brother well, yeah, that that just yeah, that just adds on to the yeah. You know, at that point, you might as well lotion away because. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Although I guess really Game of Thrones one upped it with having the uh, yeah. the breastfeeding <laughs> while he's like oh, yeah. ten or oh, something. Oh yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> so interesting. So, Robert, how do you think having seen Game of Thrones before seeing this affected you, if at all? I guess I was waiting for some characters to talk to each other. <laughs> okay. No, I don't know. I don't. I, I, while women were naked in the background. Yeah, exactly. T- telling stories while yeah, women made out in the background. Here, um, people got naked to have plot-moving sex. Yes. It wasn't a bad exposition here. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's character development in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. There's, uh, I, well, you know, I, I don't need to read the books before watching it. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of that is because that's what Game of Thrones is kind of reacting to, right? Hmm. In a way, it's like you know, he wants to kind of tear down traditional fantasy a little bit by mm-hmm. making it more earthy and grimmer or what i don't want to say grimmer because to me that's a bad adjective but um <laughs> you know so yeah kind of the simplicity of that the the you know the stock characters thing is i think a thing he's working against so that makes sense yeah yeah i just think it i just think this film for example is just not my kind of story hmm. you know i'm not familiar with the original works <laughs> and, hmm. and I, I don't know. I just. I, I well, that's interesting because you know, the first time I saw it, I didn't know the legend that well either, and I didn't mm. have that trouble with it. Like some of the lesser names got away from me, but that's okay. You know, like I still mm. don't know that Gawain is super significant in the legend, mm. even though I've read other things since, and you know, some of those details don't stick with me. I still mainly know the Arthur, Guinevere, Lancelot. Percival's prominence is odd to me, and I think there's more to it than we're seeing in the movie. Yeah, but, I think I think that does come from the source, and I'm I'm not as familiar myself. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess talking about that and talking overall, um, the movie really does reflect the source material in that it is kind of choppy and uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like honestly, you could have lost most of the Uther pregame. Just you know, oh. tighten that up. Because it tonally, it's very different from the what happens right after. When once Arthur finally shows up on the mm-hmm. scene, the tone shifts, and and I and we're I was engaged, and I felt like they really had a good uh, a, a good handle on where they were going with the film mm-hmm. all the way up until the betrayal and, oh. and that, and then things went. Off kilter for me again. Yeah, I, I, things I get lost. very mystical. At that yes. point, which yeah, kind of goes with the legend, but also is hard to get your head around. It's like, okay, what's what's going on with the Grail? What is it? Uh, oh, it's just the King and the Lander one. But Arthur knew that. He just, yeah. he, I guess, he he he, he forgot. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> His heart was broken. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. And, little, and Lancelot's fate doesn't make any sense to me that he became. I'm being oppressed. You know, that, you know, I don't understand. You know, Gwen's, what Gwen did made sense to me. She was sad and she became a nun. She kept the sword. And, and I really, that last, that last scene between her and Arthur, Arthur actually really gets to me. And it still does. It did then. It still does. Just because it's I so, thought that was a very sweet scene. Yeah, I like it's, that. It's like adults dealing with each other. <laughs> it's really cool, you know, and putting aside yeah. their lust. That's interesting you said that about the beginning. Because to me, that's a cool thing about the movie, that we back up a lot and because really the start of the story is Uther demanding Egrain and it's an act of lust that causes problems which is a theme of the movie so hmm. yeah I, and, and I think it works on that level but I just I don't think the execution was there for me mm, it didn't okay. it didn't work because the and again the only word I have and I don't know that I'm using it correctly here mm-hmm. is that the tonality mm-hmm. is so different from what we then very quickly see once Arthur comes on the scene mm-hmm. and and for for me that made it very choppy 
uh, and I'm realizing this may be why I've never seen it all the way through. Oh, uh, you know, I come, you know, I, I saw the beginnings like, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this, <laughs> and then. You know, you come in once Arthur takes the sword. Like, oh, wow, okay, this is the the stuff I remember. Cool, I'll watch this for a while. <laughs> and then, oh, that's eh, bleak. I don't know. Uh. Um, I think I think everything when things were going well or building toward going well works extremely well for me. And the falling apart, that's where I get lost. And and normally I I don't have a problem with that. I love that arc in in storytelling, but hmm. it's where I got lost in this film. Hmm. That's a good example, though. The whole, like, we see Arthur grown up and he's helping out the guy and his and his son, who he thinks is his dad. Oh, right. Um, right. And instead of spending a little extra time learning, getting to know Arthur and, like, what he's like... He just walks up and pulls the the sword out. It's like it happened like way earlier than I thought it would. Hmm. I thought we would get to know this guy a little bit more, yeah. you know. And, and I think that's the problem I'm having with this hmm. is that we never really uh, uh, get to meet a character. Yeah, because I, th- yeah. I already know he's going to pull the sword out. I remember that much at uh-huh. least from the story. So that's not the surprise to me. I, right. You know, I don't know. I just... Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think he was really committed to covering the whole legend, so that didn't give him yeah. time. Oh. Well, he should have broken that. it up into a trilogy. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no? I was thinking that. I thought, okay, in Peter Jackson's hands, this would have been nine movies. <laughs> <laughs> we would have... Oh, my God. The Quest for the Grail in a Peter Jackson oh. version? Oh, my God. It's like, oh, okay, let's walk across England. <laughs> oh my my how the new trilogy has soured me on Peter Jackson after uh, I loved Lord of the Rings. I haven't even gotten to the second Hobbit yeah, yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not going to bother uh, total video, I think. It's just oh Peter Jackson, you've lost your way. So <laughs> so I was really glad. I I thought, you know, I thought we covered a lot of ground really quickly and for me that was a good thing. Okay. All right. Um what uh, else? The, uh, the music. Yeah, I'm still, yeah, I still feel mixed about that. What do you think, Jack? Hmm. Um, I think watching it today in 2014 and having seen so much of that music uh, used to sell cars uh, <laughs> and, and, and breath mints and, yeah. and what have you, um, it took me out probably more than it would have in 81. But even yeah, then, me too. Um, I was familiar with some of these from, from other sources. Uh, and yeah, I, this needed its own music. Yeah. I think I would have even been happier with, say, I, I don't know, synthesizers. Oh, dear God. It did need its own music and, and to give it its own character. Um, yeah. You also had mentioned that in your, in your research yes. uh, that they purposely kept this away from any particular time period to make it timeless. Yeah. Um, I feel like that didn't work, yeah, um, hmm. because it wasn't grounded in any one thing. Right, it just seemed uh, ungrounded. It seemed like it wasn't connected to anything. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things uh, where specificity often leads to universality. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think the decision to go the other way, it, things got yeah. muddled and lost. Yeah, if you want it to be timeless, create your own thing that nobody knows. Right. You know, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it, like the music, the Wagner really works, especially at the end. I guess that's Siegfried's funeral march. 
that we use a couple so. times near the end. Um, and it fits dramatically. It fits the tone. And when I first saw it, I didn't know Wagner that well, and I thought it was great. Sure. Now I do, and I know what that is. Like, but this is the music of a different story. It's yeah. like, and I don't know the Ring of the Nibelungs well enough to know if maybe Borman was going for parallels by using it. Ooh, interesting. But I, I don't that. think they probably have. That. I don't know. I'm sure there are some. It's mythic, blah blah blah. All the characters are stock, you know. But I just, so I don't know well enough, and maybe that's what he was going for by doing that. But again, no, I think it would have been better to use to give it its own. Yeah. Its yeah, own I'm setting. Done. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, one <laughs> changing topic radically, just one note I have of a little detail I think is one of those great accidents while we're shooting that actually works out really well. When Merlin comes to take the baby Arthur away from Igraine, uh-huh. that, that baby, that real life human baby play, it will not let go, will not quit messing with her hair. Yes. And so yes. when they take I the baby like away, the baby still has its hand yeah, like a claw good. in her hair, and it just really adds to the impact of tearing. And no one could have planned for that. So no, that's no, a cool that was touch. that was a wonderful moment that they captured. I liked that. Yeah, I liked that so. a lot. Um, I have uh, young Gabriel Byrne looks a lot like Tom uh, Hiddleston. Really I was shocked by that. Yes, interesting. I, I especially in armor when he when he's got his helmet on, mm-hmm. and you've just got. You know the face and the and the the facial structure. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my, that's that's Tom Hiddleston. How odd. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So so go back, take a look at that. I, I that caught me unawares. Huh. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anything else? Should we move on to voting? I think we should move on to voting. Okay. I will. Very well then. Okay. I want to. I, I have a plan. A plan? Um, I have a plan. No, no, no. Um, so I'm gonna go first. I do still. I really like it. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't hold me as strongly as it did when I was a, oh. you know, idealistic youngster who could be easily, you know, moved by this sort of thing. But I still really like it. I still. I think it's a great capturing of the Arthur legend. I think it works very well on its own mythic ground. Um. I still really like the symbolism. I like the theme of the dangers of lust, um, which is an un- to me an unusual theme for a story of this scale. You know, this is not what Star Wars is about. You know, I see some flaws that I didn't see when I saw it originally, but I still really like it, and we'll watch it again, and kind of want to get the Blu-ray for better detail. Let's say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Robert. Oh, that was your vote. That was oh, my vote is gold. Else. No, oh, no, no, thought, gold, gold, okay, gold, I gold. I didn't say it. I didn't say it specifically, but yes, gold. gold. All right, yeah. okay. <sighs> well, it's a well-made film, and I suppose if you like the story, it's okay. But <laughs> I have, I was bored, and I have to say, old because mm. I wanted to, more character development and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. <laughs> it drained me of energy. That's, that's like, getting okay. through it was a chore. So, sorry, I have to say old. Okay. So, Jack. <sighs> yes. No pressure. This puts you in the tiebreaker position. Wow. Yeah. This is the first for me. Yep. Um, so, yes, I was thinking about this uh, before we uh, sat down, and there's 
a lot that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were parts that that really worked for me, and and I thought there were some lovely uh, human moments. Not necessarily character development, but mm-hmm. human moments, and that that can often be enough for me. Um, we also have the whole beginning, the the wasteland period. <laughs> Um, some of the symbolism that I don't think necessarily landed Mm -hmm. Um, some of the effects were incredibly cheesy Hmm. Uh, the the, the smoke coming out of Helen Mirren's uh, tube attached to her face uh, (laughs) was brought up before a lot of the lightning special effects uh, left something to be desired yes it's true Um, and you feel the full 141 minutes. Hmm. Uh, the, mm-hmm. There was never a time where I was so caught up that that I, I lost my sense of time and was totally invested in the film. Hmm. So this is a close vote for me, mm-hmm. but I have to say old. Oh, yes. oh damn. I mean, a oh. mystical sword just jutted out of nowhere into my heart. <laughs> 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 There are times that I'm glad I'm a continent away. <laughs> this would be one of those times. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, then. Right. Well, there well. we are. So I will carry this torch alone, I guess. Yeah, I guess Continue. so. Sorry. Anyway. And this is good, because there's going to be a ton of fog, and I'm going to need that torch. Yes, need, that's yeah. right. Oh, wait, that's we fun. learned from Rudolph that that's not how light and fog work. Um, <laughs> for, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> and this is fog that you can ride a horse across. So That's true. That's, that's true. something. <laughs> but only if you're horny enough. That's true. Huh? Yep. Okay. Then the fog will get rigid if you're horny. <laughs> rigid. rigid enough to ride across. I would love to hear that in a weather forecast. <laughs> expect, expect rigid fog early in the morning. Due to horny in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna run into some lust on your commute. <laughs> Okay, well then. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See uh, you I'm next Robert, time, there's kids. Tim, there's Jack. Bye. 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 Go to oldvgold.com to find more episodes and more information about this podcast. We're on Twitter at Hidden Deadly. Also, you can send us questions with the hashtag oldvgold. <laughs>